Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Love that sound. This is a good one. Don't shut it off. Welcome to the Full Scale Outdoors Podcast. <sighs> Tuesday morning here. I have no idea what the date is. So I don't want to look at my phone. Uh, so I'm going to record this one, stamp it, print it, send it, all that stuff out. You're going you're gonna to get her today fresh and hot off the press. This week's recap and rant. Sun's just coming up. It's beautiful. I should be in the blind, but I'm not. Oh, well. Let's get to it. <laughs> All right, so this uh, past weekend, um, I didn't really get uh, a ton of outdoor stuff done. Well, I mean, I guess you could, I mean, I was outdoors all day Saturday. But Saturday we had our first annual Future Anglers of Minnesota Golf Tournament. I'm sure that's what we're talking, that's what we called it. But it was um, through Minnesota Made Outdoors, the tournament ice fishing season. We have started a nonprofit uh, to help out the youth of Minnesota and get into fishing, retain them into fishing, and uh, pretty pretty proud to be a board member of that uh, founding member, I guess you could say. Uh, the golf tournament went pretty well as far as raising funds. Um, we chose our first candidate. 
and uh, which is pretty dang cool. Um, lifetime fishing license, um, whole slew of stuff. I'd have to pull the the picture up and read off everything that that he got, but it's pretty cool, and that's kind of what we're looking at doing. You know, it's not like oh, we're gonna have some take a kid fishing days and you know have a hundred kids out in a trout pond which is there's nothing wrong with that those are great too and anything that we can do to promote the outdoors with the youth as numbers are dwindling to keep those coming up they're all great i am not bashing any other kind of take a kid fishing any kind of youth outdoor promotional thing at all but what we at fam future anglers of minnesota are hoping to do is to impact a few young people in a really big way and so as this thing grows and we earn more and more money um i shouldn't say earn we raise more and more money because we getting shit um is to really be able to set these kids up for success as far as fishing but also in life, um, our big, big plans um, for the future is to the extent of scholarships to college afterwards. So we have big plans, big goals, um, as well as this first one went off. And we already had people there like, hey, get a hold of me. Here's my card. I want to sponsor whole next year or whatever they could do to raise money. Um, I think it's going to. I think it's really going to take off and uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch it, to watch it grow. And it's going to be really rewarding to, to help these kids out. So that was, that was huge. Now the golfing itself. So I had a team. It was me. It was supposed to be my good buddy, Jim Camaro, um, who lives in Michigan. He was going to come out and he was unable to do so. And then um, our friends, his cousin actually Andrew Bravo and then his friend Steve so Jimmy couldn't do it so I had to find a sub for him and uh, so I reached out to Doug Glimmerveen from the Smackdown Outdoors podcast and he was gracious enough to fill in of course he was gracious he was giving me shit on uh, on the last flight companion for not picking him on my team but it's one of those things right it's only you only have four people I was looking for three people and when I had you know a couple of my really good lifelong friends reach out it's like yeah, well yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna pick them obviously um, but with that said thanks Doug for stepping in as he said he could golf he used to be a teacher golf teacher at a course he was full-on addicted to it so I'm like all right come on out um Doug Doug can golf <laughs> he's pretty good you could tell he was rusty or he even admitted that he was rusty he hadn't done it i can't remember how many years quite a while actually um because he full-on gets like obsessed with it i guess uh, to the point i asked him like are you nervous like i'm scared to death for today like if this is gonna suck me back in or not uh i don't think it did because it was i don't know the greens and i mean it was at majestic oaks and i want to thank majestic oaks for for hosting us but with that said, <laughs> I heard a lot of talk about, and it might not be 100% their fault, because here, here's me not golfing. I don't know anything about it. Apparently, this is kind of a thing with fall 
golf as the you know grasses don't grow as well and blah 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 so they had the greens aerated and supposed to fill in the little divots they use with sand and it should be even so you can putt and they weren't really filled with sand or they didn't use enough sand or something i don't know Swit was like trying to putt on the surface of the moon basically your ball is just kind of it's like plinko <laughs> on the on the way to the cup so uh, a lot of people were uh, complaining about that. But what I will say is it's even, right? It's not like one team got a perfectly smooth green to putt on and, and another one had a crappy green. We all were putting on the same greens. So we all had the same exact challenges. Anyway, I'm terrible. I mean, I'm, when it comes to golf, which not surprisingly, I never do it. I mean, I literally think I have golf golfed less than 10 times my entire life um and it might be closer to that five range i think i'm over five but i'm not positive anyways i don't golf um and there is a perfect reason why i don't because i like to hunt and fish and a perfect day for golf is usually a pretty good day to do you know especially fish in the summertime and just because the universe has the same sick sense of humor that I do, uh, as we get there to register, a flock of geese fly over, which, you know, and let's keep in mind, this was the duck opener for Minnesota. I don't mean they flew over. Like, oh, there's some over there. How annoying. No. I'm telling you, these birds knew where I was standing they could have flown anywhere, 360 degrees around wherever they took off, whatever golf course pond they took off from. They could have gone in any direction. One degree here or there never would have put them on my path. But as fate would have it, these things literally flew right over the top of me. In range. Could have dumped Two for sure. Probably would have got three right there. Bing, bang, boom. Just easy peasy. <sighs> oh, well. It's for the children, right? It's for the children. So, uh, anyways, yeah. I, I'm not going to give you a hole by hole because it, <laughs> it was it was terrible. Let's just say we played a lot of whack fuck. I mean, I played a lot of whack fuck. You know, that's what, those of you who aren't on TikTok and haven't seen the, the little gimmick, it's like, oh, we're going to play a little game of whack fuck here. Whack fuck. <laughs> so that was a lot. I, w I went through a lot of balls. Yeah, yeah. And um, looked for some, found some bonus. You know, I'm in the in the woods looking for my ball, and I would see like three, four, or five. I'd just grab them. And so I don't know how many balls. It, I went through all of them. Like literally, I think at the la at the end I had to use two of Doug's. So, yeah, I was using Doug's balls. Um, <laughs> speaking of Doug Glimmerbean, tonight, all right, so now I actually got to look at the freaking date. The 28th, Tuesday 28th. If you're listening to this live on Tuesday 28th, tonight at 6 p.m., I will be on the SmackDown Outdoors podcast. So uh, find us there. I believe Tony Dahlberg will be joining us. Um, yeah, so tune in and be on Facebook. Uh, go live. You can uh, jaw jack with us and ask us questions and insult us and make fun of us and whatever. Doesn't really matter. Uh, yeah. So there's that. Um, 
So golf went great, and we had the banquets, and we handed out. And, of course, there was tons of uh, raffles, and uh, I didn't win jack squat, which is also fairly typical. Um, but, that, again, that's something we're looking forward to in the future, getting more prizes, bigger prizes. I really want whole 13, I believe it was. I know it would have been, like, because I'm shitty. The chances of this actually happening are, like... <laughs> To say slim to none is is an exaggeration. It's like none to none. <laughs> Probably have a better chance of winning the actual Powerball. But they had a hole-in-one. If you get a hole-in-one, it was sponsored by the Ford dealership. You got $25,000 towards a new truck, which I really need a new truck. Not that I want a Ford, but you can sell them. <laughs> Turn around, buy a Chevy. <laughs> I know we all, I, I know, probably just pissed off all the Ford guys. It's fine. I just personally have not had good luck with Fords, and I've done well with GM products, and in the event they break down, I am familiar with them enough to usually work on them, probably not the new ones, because they're just computers, they're not even machines anymore, um, but yeah, anyways, I didn't mean for that to turn into a, a Chevy commercial, although Chevy, if you want to, you know throw some dollars my way i'll advertise for you every time <laughs> uh but that's like yeah getting a hole in one 20 we're 25 grand towards the vehicle that would have been swell um not sure if they gave anything away for making it onto the fairway of the hole to the right of us because i had a better shot getting that if that would have been a prize so but i might like to get a hole in one on the other on the wrong hole <laughs> yes i am that bad I literally am that bad. So next year, next year I just don't think I'm going to golf. Because it's kind of pointless. I mean, other than entertainment factor for anybody that may be watching to have a really good laugh, it's pointless for me to golf. And uh, we always need volunteers for everything. So next year I think I'm just going to work the event, volunteer to do whatever's needed, and then – uh yeah, we'll, we'll save the golfing for those that at least do it, you know, like twice a year or something. But my team finished even, which I thought was pretty good. Uh, winning team was 16 under par, even with those greens. So I'm guessing they were dropping these things on the drive real close to the cup. And it was a little boop, and they're birdies or eagles or Double Lindy's or whatever the scoring is. they I don't know what you call them. But. And so that was that was Saturday. And the banquet went, you know, it went to like 8 o'clock. So there was, there was no fun. You know what I should have done? And I thought about this. Of going, um, I could have probably, if I, with a little bit of effort, put in some time and uh, went hunting like right at first light. I didn't because I didn't want to risk it. I just because check-in or registration is at 11 a.m. I just know how these things go, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll just go down here real quick. I'll drop the kayak in, throw a few decoys out. It'll be fine. You and everybody else knows when it comes to stuff like this, especially when water is involved, nothing is quick and easy. You try to go out for just two hours, and next thing you know, I'm I've swamped my kayak. <laughs> I'm racing. I show up to the golf course at, you know, five minutes before the shotgun start, and I'm dripping wet, 
and I'm covered in muck and duckweed. And <laughs> I mean, I was like, ah, I better not just risk it. Could have sat in the stand that morning. That would have been pretty simple. Right in my backyard. No problem. Easy, right? Except what happens? Actually shoot something. Nice buck would have stepped out. I would have shot it. Maybe would have been the greatest hit. Or even if it was a good hit. And now I got to deal with this thing. And then one thing leads to another. It was warm. So I couldn't just let it hang. I would have had to wait for the either process it myself, which I definitely wouldn't have had time for that, or wait for the processing place to open up, which God knows on a Saturday is probably like 10 a.m. So that wouldn't have worked either. And then if I got a shitty shot and I was tracking it. So anyways, moral of the story is I decided to not do any of that because I didn't want to risk it and let the time go in. So that, that was my Saturday. Now, with golfing all day, I didn't have time to scout for anything come Sunday. Um, nobody really had anything in our crew. They were going to hunt uh, like two hours south of somewhere. And so, again, like Joel and I didn't really have uh, a plan. So I was like, you know what? I, I had lied to myself and said that I was going to go try a little kayak spot. And it's a lot of work kind of to get back into the place I wanted to go, but I thought it would be fun. Actually, it's really not that much work. I mean, it's really not where I wanted to go. It's it's not, but I haven't been there in a few years. And it would have been, I don't know. I think what you can, I'm already building excuses. I didn't go. Let's just, let's just cut to the quick. (laughs) Sunday morning came, I had my alarm set. And when it went off, I was tired. And uh, yeah, I just, I didn't go. I was being real lazy. And then there was some talk of maybe going fishing later. Um, So what I ended up doing is using that morning to get some stuff done around uh, my house, which I needed to do. So at least that part was good. But then I did find the initiative to, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go, I'm going to go deer hunting, but I want to go public land hunting, try the spot that Jason Cushlin and I tried last year. It's pretty close to my house. And uh, I needed some sticks, so I, I ran up to um, the archery shop, Full Draw Archery. Um, it's just north of Stacy. They're right off 35. Great shop. Um, if you're up that way, definitely stop in, say hi, tell them I sent you. Won't get you anything. Won't even get me anything, but just tell them I sent you. And um, so I went in there and did what I always do when I look at Climbing Six. I'm like, yeah. Dang it, these things are expensive. <laughs> but I needed some. I only ever had the, the screwing tree pegs and, you know, try to get away from damaging trees. They just take longer to set up. It's just it's just a pain. So I finally broke down, bought a pair of sticks. And uh and they're nice. I like them. I'm re- it's is it was a good good investment. But now that opened up the whole other door. Now I got to buy this and I got to buy that and so I'm. I'll be. I'll be honest. When it comes to this kind of style of bow hunting, you know, I'm not one of these full out bow hunter guys. I like to do it, but it's not my main thing. I'm really kind of starting to get into it though. So I'm getting more and more like I want to invest some time and money into doing it, and really am. 
attracted to this public lance thing. Like just being able to sneak in and do it right and and get a good deer off a of public land would be awesome. It would just be great. Um, it'd be so rewarding. And so I'm kind of like that challenge is really starting to weave its way into my psyche. And the other thing is I need to learn how to efficiently like do this. So, you know, using whatever straps they, they gave with the climbing sticks and some other straps that I had, ratchet straps, I engineered some way at redneck engineered, you know, attached the sticks to my stand and then, you know, use some of the straps to make like a backpack. But then I had a backpack with all my stuff. It's like, well, where do I put that? And so <laughs> I would look like a complete moron. And everybody that does this is like laughing at me right now. But so I put the stand on my back, which is fine. The sticks on that, not really all that uncomfortable. I think I had like one of the sticks was jabbing me in the back, right in the shoulder or something. And I wore my backpack as a front pack, like kind of almost like a, like, a bino holder, basically. <laughs> so, so dumb. Hey, but it worked. And it got me out there. Uh, so then, I, yeah, I went on YouTube and looked around. like, okay, so they make, like, of course they do. So now i got to spend more money. Um, they make packs that, like, go on your stand. And they have nice padded shoulder, you know, shoulder straps and, and a waist thing, support. And it's like, okay, I get it. Yeah, I'm going to need one of those for sure. And then in setting up my stand... The other thing I, I need is like what is what they call like a lineman's rope or whatever goes around the tree, hooks to your belt, and so you can work hands free. That would be pretty good and much safer than what I have been doing, which is like one trying to do one handed operation, you know, while grabbing a branch or, or one of your climbing sticks and then trying to one hand hang this thing or reach if the depending on the tree, reaching a leg around. Thankfully, I have long spider leg legs and wrap around the tree and then I can kind of use two hands also not safe <laughs> so yeah I need to just get a little better equipped so I think a pack would be a good um I'll get that I don't think I really need too much more than that because I don't think those liming those lineman ropes are all that expensive so I'll pick one of those up honestly probably could make one with some of my old ironworking equipment um so anyways, that was, uh, I rednecked my way back into the woods. It's a little bit of a walk um, to the spot, which is what I like about it. Now, and then there was a vehicle parked there when I first pulled up. And I was like, ah, dang it. I'm like, what are the chances that somebody would be back in that spot? I'm like, that's, who else is dumb enough to put that kind of work in, to get way back into there? Like, eh, I don't know. So anyways, I headed in there, and I got to pass a couple other, I mean, kind of decent spots, and they're much closer to the parking spot that, you know, little Oak Island's out here in this, like, marsh. And I thought, well, I'm just going to give them a wide berth in case they are in there. I don't want to, like, you know, ruin their hunt or anything like that the best I can. And as I walked by, I kind of looked in, didn't see any, couldn't see anybody up in the trees from the trees that I could see. Nobody whistled at me or anything like that. And so I was able to get all the way back to the spot that I wanted to get to. And um, I was looking for, the, I couldn't remember what tree that Jason and I set up. And well, I, I should say Jason, I, I went up around the corner. I set up on a different trail. 
Um, so I was like, oh, I'll just have to try a whatever I can find. And so I was kind of looking around, and I wanted one that kind of looked into the woods a little bit and out into the swamp and, like, this trail crossing and this these buck bedding areas that we found. And I ended up finding a tree that wasn't so overgrown. I had a couple decent shooting lanes, and I felt like hid me too because that's the other thing like i think there was and then in in talking or in texting to jason after that he's like oh there's one tree kind of by itself like oh i saw that tree but i'm like i felt like i was just exposed there like i wouldn't be as well hidden i kind of like being tucked in a little bit and so anyways the tree i found worked pretty good uh after my redneck ingenuity got set up and it wasn't too long and uh did i still heard something behind me and I'm looking around and I couldn't quite see it and like I must be squirrels or something keep hearing look around no oh, there's a little deer back there little little tiny guy or girl whatever it was looked like a fawn all by itself didn't see mom anywhere I was like huh well that's kind of fun it's always nice to just see deer and again public land kind of cool oh the other thing so as I'm looking for my tree I hear some more crunching, and I look up, and here comes three people wearing blaze orange hats. Um, some squirrel hunters are out there. So for those of you that have been listening, uh, we had an episode where we, after that hunt that we did, and there we kind of got busted by some squirrel. Like our hunt got busted by some squirrel hunters, basically. We were set up, and squirrel hunters were pushing towards us and actually jumped a decent buck that went right past Jason, well in range, but like sprinting. Like he didn't have time to do anything. Um, it stopped for like a split second and he got a decent look at it and he would have, it was a shooter for him and, and then just took off running. So I was like, man, here we are again. And this is, these are the woes of public land, right? Like I'm not, I wasn't even complaining. wasn't mad. You know, they walked up and, uh, they did the, you know, they whistled and I just kind of put my hand up and waved at him and, and then they came to talk to me and, um, they, they were Hmong, which is fine. I'm, has nothing to do with anything just that the language barriers i was like what was that <laughs> that was a little bit so it was an older guy and then i'm guessing his sons were with him and uh they're like are you staying here we go through and i was like yeah that's fine don't worry about it and um then the one of the kids in the back said something and he spoke better english and he's like you know said good luck and i wish them good luck and all the way they went Asked if they'd got anything. Uh, I think they had shot three. Um, and so, yeah, that was fine. What I took away from that is that a lot of people in that situation might have been really irritated or maybe would have lost confidence in the spot because they had been walking around the woods and got their scent everywhere or blah, blah, blah. But the idea that popped into my head was like, it's public land. Like, not only do they have a right to be there, um, there's probably, you know, even if I wouldn't have, let's say they were, they were there doing other hunting and I happened to get there 10 minutes later and never had that encounter. I wouldn't have known they were there, but they had been there. So that probably happens all the time. So whatever scent is laid down and the point being, I think the deer in the area are used to that. Not that they're not going to care about the human activity, but it's not like they're going to cut a human scent path and like freak out, you know, like all the deer in that public area are just going to be gone. I felt that I had that encounter with them early enough in the day that 
I didn't feel like it was really going to hinder my hunt. So, and if anything, maybe they would bump a, a bump a deer towards me as they got back to their vehicle or whatever. And I'm guessing that was the vehicle that I saw at the trailhead that I went out because I never did encounter another bow hunter. Um, so I just continued to found my tree, put up my stand, and yeah, and it didn't end up being an issue. Saw deer, no problems. And so, anyways, that little one was uh walking around eating acorns and yeah the trees are dropping acorns like crazy right now it's just like you know you just hear them falling all over the place then uh then a big old fat raccoon came out i watched him come across the creek walk by my stand and for whatever i don't know why he did this but then he climbed up a tree right next to me kind of put on my snap store he's like peeking over around the tree like staring at me i'm like what's up dude um, so I'm sitting there waiting and I hear some more, well, then I see that little fawn it gets kind of downwind to me, goes across, jumps across the creek. And then, um, I hear it talking, you know, it starts bleating just a little, eh. I'm like, oh wow, it's vocal. Why is it being so vocal? And it kind of ran over there, but not like with its flag up or anything, just ran into the trees and then it was quiet. I could hear some rustling around. And then another deer steps out. I'm like, oh, he's coming back around again. I'm like, well, I don't think that's the same one. That's a little bit bigger one. And, uh, yeah, it was a it was a nice doe. And uh, then the fawn was coming out after that. So I'm guessing that's its mom. But, like, I had passed on deer the week before because it was a tiny doe. And the fawns were super tiny. Still nursing kind of a thing. Still had spots. The one fawn has still had spots. This obviously was not the case. Uh, Junior there was doing his own thing all by himself. Uh, I would have had no problem with shooting that doe and feeling any sort of guilt about it whatsoever. But I was a long way from my vehicle. Now, I know what you're saying. You're like, well, then why are you hunting there? Well, here's my logic. I let the doe pass because I'm like, that's a lot of work. Drag that deer all the way back to my truck. I would have done it for a buck or I would have packed the buck out or whatever. So I was kind of back in there for a buck. I wasn't in there to shoot a doe. Like I felt like that was a lot of work for a doe because I can get a doe in on my property where I can literally drive right to it. So that's kind of what I was weighing. I was like, would be kind of cool to shoot a deer back here, public land. It's a doe, but it's a lot of work for a doe, and I know I can get a doe a lot easier. Let's just hold out and hope for a buck to come out. And that was the other thing. I didn't want to shoot a doe and then, you know, be down there tracking out and then, you know, ruin my chance at getting a buck. So I was there for a buck. I stuck to that, but that was a nice doe. I would have had zero issue with with shooting that with shooting that doe, even with the little with the fawn that was with. Um, Clearly, it's it's big enough and it's eating on its own, so it doesn't need mom anymore. Um, and I think why it ran in there, it, maybe it smelled mom or something. It was like, hey, there's my mom, and ran over there for a quick reunion. But anyway, she eventually did. She got downwind to me, and that the fawn never scented me at all, but that was before the sun got lower and temperature really started dropping. Let me tell you when those thermals start going down. Wow. 
like big difference. Like you can just feel it and you can almost see it. I didn't have my milkweed seeds either. That was the other thing. Not that it would have mattered, wouldn't have affected the outcome of this hunt, but um, it's just nice. Those things do, that was like one of the best tips I've ever got is the milkweed thing. Cause man, those things just float on the smallest of breezes and the thermals and you can really see where they go. You can like, you'll see where they'll get caught in a little eddy, you know, like a air current eddy behind a tree or something like it, it's pretty crazy and kind of fun to just watch and the way to pass the time when you're in the stand but uh obviously once those thermals started dropping because my scent was going up you know i was using a thermosel earlier and you could see the steam going up and stuff like that and of course that's heated element but even as like the steam would drift away it was still going up you could tell the thermals you know the warm air was picking everything up and then everything was falling and once that happened so my scent was going up and over these deer once those thermals started dropping when that air started cooling it was getting down there on their level and wafting it right to them and yeah she she was snorting at me like crazy uh ran off a little bit never like fully left the area so i don't think she really knew what was going on but she knew something was up for sure and yeah it's just she was not happy <laughs> Uh, yeah, so stuck it out till dark, did not see any bucks, um, packed my way, and then it got really foggy. Boy, good thing I had my phone with me, because it's been pretty easy to get lost out there on my way back with just a headlamp, and a headlamp in the fog is like, well, it's like driving. You turn your high beams on in the fog, it's like, or in a snowstorm, it's like, does you no good whatsoever. So uh, I had to reference my phone quite a few times to keep myself on, on the path back to the truck. And at one point in time, I was like, I don't remember all this thick brush that I'm busting through right now. And looked, I'm like, oh, that's because you are way off of your path. So I made a course correction. I got back on course. And uh, obviously, I'm, I'm here. I did not die in the woods. But just something to keep in mind um, where you go. Make sure your phone's well charged up or if you have a handheld GPS unit or whatever. So, uh, yeah. And the other thing I need to really start doing is utilizing the my onyx where i download the maps ahead of time so i can use it offline thankfully i had decent service uh, where i was at kind of surprising actually um but a lot of places have zero service and that's where it's important to download those maps because somehow it's still able to track you i don't know if it just like it has enough service to know where you're at but not enough to actually make a call or send a text i'm not quite sure how that works but it's kind of amazing um so i need to do that that would come in handy uh hot tip for goose scouting is uh to download those if you know the area you're going to do is to download those maps too with all the landowner information because as we have found out this year um you get into an area you're like oh pull up onyx and you don't have enough cell service to load the map up and figure out who owns what where so that you can go knock on door so that's a problem um so i think a little a little work ahead of time to get that stuff downloaded on your phone be better prepared probably a pretty probably a pretty smart thing to do there is your recap rant wise um just going off of something online i had going off of all and i've talked about this i'll probably ad nauseum you're probably tired of hearing it but um going off of all the 
bitching and moaning from the early teal season. You know, they're going to blow all the ducks out of the area. So even after the teal season, so now we had our opener, and I was, you know, going on Facebook, and I'm looking at, you know, like Minnesota Waterfallers Facebook page, and things are coming up, and people are bitching about it, but yet I'm seeing piles of, of ducks, and, like, the, the proof is not in the pudding. All the birds did not get blown out, yet you're still hearing this. Like, people are still... Like, they're just married to their thoughts and ideas. Like, they, they will not admit that they were wrong or at least don't have the wherewithal to figure out, like, maybe I just wasn't in a good spot. Nope, it had to be the early teal season. Pushed everything out. Well, people are still shooting teal. I saw a lot of wood ducks killed. Even saw some mallards killed. Saw some widgeons killed. Saw some pintails killed. Uh, people were killing birds. Not a problem. And then you're obviously in the comment threads, you're like, I don't know what problem is. We saw more ducks than we've ever saw, blah, blah, blah. So it popped into my head to just do a thought experiment to like, so I made a post. I was like, all right, let's do a thought experiment here. Let's say the early teal season and the youth season didn't exist. It's just opening weekend. You go out there, everybody shoots, you know, everybody limits out in 50 minutes. It's the best thing ever, which we all know doesn't happen by the way. Um, But great. The same mechanics would be in place for the opener as for the teal season or the youth season. Even more so because more people are doing it. So now you have all of the hunters out hunting and pushing and shooting these deer out of the, or shooting these ducks out of the state as this is their argument now. So if we apply that logic, it's pointless to hunt two weeks after opening day. Right? I mean, do, do the people that have this problem with this ideologic problem with the early teal season or the youth season or goose hunting over water or wherever the thing may be that's blowing all their ducks out. Do they only hunt that weekend? And I'm sure some of them do, but that's you. You, We have 60 days in our season and you're choosing to hunt two of them. So you just don't bother with the other 58 because you blew all the birds out of the out of the state. Here's the thing. It was it was a great experiment and I loved watching the comments come down. I was encouraged by some people that got it. They're like, "Yeah, that doesn't make sense. We found birds, you guys still got to scout, you know, all the things, which those are very true." The interesting thing for me was how people will just dig their heels in to their idea like instead of seeing the logic and go yeah i guess you're right you know like how infrequent that happens and you can apply that across the board to any issue especially politics right like that's that's why social media is a shitstorm when it comes to you know getting into a political discussion because it's the same thing everybody's married to the, their ideas they refuse to be wrong, if you will, even in the face of facts. I always say you can't let facts get in the way of a good argument. Like the, And that's what we're dealing with here. Plenty of birds around, plenty of people shot birds, and you still got people bitching. Yeah, you're going to have to scout. And you can't just go to the same puddle every day in and day out. I mean, that was, I mean, how often have we been hearing that complaint? Even well before the teal season. I don't know what's going on. The deer just, uh, the ducks just aren't where they used to be. We have hunted this, and then they usually admit to it. Like, we have hunted, my family's hunted this property for 30 years, and we always limit out, blah, 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 blah. 
yeah, things change. It's a dry year this year. Birds probably moved around. And going off of why their argument is crap about blowing birds out of the state is where are they going to go? The other state that also has an early teal season and a youth season? Like, like where are they going to go? Are they all just flying state to state looking for a refuge state that doesn't have a season? Like, it's it's pointless. Birds move around. The birds that you, chances are if you were scouting and you found birds two weeks before opener, those birds wouldn't be there anyways because as crops come out, as things change, acorns are falling. That's going to affect the wood ducks. Wood ducks are going to eat those acorns. And, you know, Certain plant weeds are dying off. Certain plants are growing. There's probably bug hatches here and there. A, a list of different factors that are going to determine where these ducks are feeding and where they're going. The low water for sure is going to have a huge impact this year. And so things change. Birds move, not just seasonally migrate, but they migrate to follow food sources. And I'm sure pressure does push them around a little bit. But with two weeks in between, you should have had ample time to find a new roost, a new loaf, a new feeding spot, whatever. And you can't blame it on that. And of course, then they'll just result to, you know, blaming. I saw this too, the whole do nothing right DNR thing. Listen, you don't like the way that the season structure is. You had all the time in the world, and I responded to one guy, and he did not answer back because he was one of these anti-DNR guys. Like, well, this whole thing is dumb, and we don't have the split now, and the season's, you know, all the late. I'd rather not have an early opener and open later so we can hunt later. I'm like, well, did you fill out the survey? Because the DNR fell over themselves this year to give you as many opportunities as you possibly could have to get your opinion heard and your ideas out there. They had the virtual town halls. They had the survey they threw out. You could send them an email. Like, couldn't have been easier or more opportunities to voice your opinion. And when we got the numbers back, not many waterfalls. For many waterfall hunters we have in this state, a crazy small fraction of them actually took an active role in that survey. So that's on you. If you don't like the way it went down, that's on you. Now, I have an issue with the way with that eliminating that south split. Now now the central and south zone are basically the same. Um, they are the same season structure wise. So you now you've trimmed off a hunting opportunity later in the season. I don't know not quite sure why people wanted to do that. Well I do know, because they're like, We only see a ton of birds during that split and we can't even hunt so stupid. Well, now you don't have it. And guess what you're gonna bitch about now? Not being able to hunt late. You just can't have it both ways. You get 60 days. You're going to have to get creative with the way you do it. I wouldn't be, I'm totally in favor of moving the opening date for the south zone back a couple weeks just to extend it into, into December. I think that'd be great. That'd be awesome. I'm sure some people in the south zone would be pissed off because then for duck opener, they would have to, you know, drive. Oh, no, like a whole hour or two. I mean, we do that anyways in the regular season. So, anyways, there's your weekend recap and rant. Appreciate everybody for uh, listening. I'm getting more comments. More questions are coming through. Continue to do so. Um, I respond to everybody. I love it. I'm, I'm really, really, really digging the feedback. So, thanks to those that have reached out. I truly appreciate it. You can find me on Facebook. Um, Full Scale Outdoors on Facebook. Dale Luganville on Facebook. Uh, Full Scale underscore outdoors on instagram 
can find me on Snapchat. Any which way you can get a hold of me, feel free to reach out. I will respond to you. So with that, I'll leave you with this. Whatever your passion, pursue it full scale. fish are where you think they are. Any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.